here with another exciting pre-cal jam podcast sponsored by our great friends over at standard process thank you standard process david asprey say hi to everybody in cal jam land brother hey everyone all right and i am really 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 excited i mean you are you and suzanne humphreys who's flying up from new zealand to speak about vaccines are my two like wild cards this year they you've never spoke to cal jam i don't think have you ever spoke at a chiropractic event before I have lots of chiropractor friends, but I don't think I've spoken at an event just for chiropractors. Right, so I like to bring new, cool shit to our gigs, and I'm really excited about everything that you're doing with the biohacking and just trying to increase human performance. And, you know, I just, right after I went to your gig, which was an amazing gig, I loved it. It was great, great energy at your event, great speakers, Uh, but... I mean, I came out of there so charged up that I came back and I did my I did my first biohack conference or just a little seminar to my patients afterwards. All the stuff cool. I learned, yeah, you know, teacher learns the most. So I just took everything that I learned and I kind of condensed it down into an hour. Uh, but the one of the questions people had for me is, "What's biohacking, and how would you describe it to people? What a biohack is?" All right. I actually wrote the the first definition of biohacking, and so is that a, a your whole, is that your term? It's a term that I I, I don't know. Sometimes you, terms emerge. I certainly I own the domain name. Oh, cool! <laughs> and, That's good. Uh, uh, at least some of them, and I chose not to trademark it because I wanted a community term that was not owned by one person. But the original definition, and I did a big poll, like, is there a space in biohack? No, it's one word. It's not two words, and. The definition is that it's the art and science of changing the environment around you and inside of you so that you have full control of your own biology. And and that's it. And the the big thing there comes from epigenetics. Right. Which is like the environment programs you. You don't program you. Uh, and it, it's my belief now that that even the the more softer like setting an intent and and motivating yourself and things like that that those actually all happen. At, at an environmental level, the the mitochondria in your body are sensing your stress levels, sensing your intent, and they're helping to make things happen the way the way they're going to happen. And that it's by changing the environment around you, they sense the environment around you. If you have a state of peace, your nervous system is intact and is not in a sympathetic mode. It changes your very ability to make electrons in the body, and. The temperature around you changes how many calories you burn. The magnetic fields around you change what's going on. The type of light spectrum, the type of food that you're exposed to, the timing of all this stuff. These are the big variables that have been largely ignored by Western medicine. But these are things that actually you'll hear more about from a group of chiropractors than you will a group of people graduating from a Western medical school right now. And these are the the stuff we're made of is how we respond to our environment. Right, and I, first thing I want to just mention a couple of your products. I love this oh. this Instamix stuff, and and what we're gonna do is for all you people on the call, uh, if you share and like this uh, this uh, podcast, I'm gonna give away not only the Instamix, which makes the bulletproof coffee, which I've raved about for a while, but also I you know I I travel a lot, Dave, and these things oh, yeah. go in backpacks. And I'm so sick of all the crap bars that these bars are amazing. These are basically pasture-raised, grass-fed, upgraded collagen protein bars. And they taste freaking good. It's just hard to talk afterwards. I had to go brush my teeth before I did this. Just part of the <laughs> – as we said, it was – I had some uh, expensive uh, 
what was it pasture race crud in my teeth but <laughs> let's get back to like i'm i've gotten into the intermittent fasting which i've also taught the people in my practice will talk about why you feel that's important but also i'm saying i can do a bulletproof coffee in the morning which is basically i use a gano cafe which is because it's got the mushrooms in it too so i'm getting the benefit of the reishi mushrooms and I've just felt I've worked to see what works best for me. And then I, I, you know what? I can do the clarified butter and I can do, I use, a, sometimes I use a little raw cream. I use your brain octane, which is another amazing product. Uh, but it seems like if I use these packs, I get better sustain than anything else that I do. So, I mean, I, like I use my own body as my own lab to help get that to happen. And I was just, I was just in, uh, I was just in Portland speaking up there over the weekend. I take this because I don't like to eat sometimes. That's what I tell people when I go on trips. I'm away from my Vitamix. I'm away from my juicer. I'm away from restaurants that I frequent. I'm away, away from places where I can eat. I basically get up in the morning, do a coffee and one of these things, and I'm good till like 2 in the afternoon, man, and it's amazing. And you think that you you lose energy. You actually gain energy. And I could go like literally when I'm done talking to you, I'm going surfing right after this off that, that initial bulletproof coffee. It did sneak a bulletproof bar in because I love these things so much. Yeah, those will give you another uh, about 200 calories. And one of the reasons you feel so different is there's brain octane oil in the bars and Instamix has powdered oh, brain octane oil. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And so you're getting brain octane. And brain octane is a type of fat that's that's very rare. It's only about 5% of what you could get by eating coconut oil. So you don't get much of it from coconut and when you can concentrate it this way, you take it and it goes to ketones, almost as if you've been fasting for four days, you get that weird state of brain energy. Right. Well, you're getting that state of brain energy right away, like within a half hour usually of eating brain octane because it raises ketones through a different pathway. So you're, you're suddenly like everything got easy and it's because a, a gram of or sorry a, a molecule of fat has 147 electrons for your brain to use and a molecule of sugar has 36 so all of a sudden you're like there's this really is higher octane like i i feel better right right and why and did with, you go ahead with with bulletproof coffee there's like three ingredients in the official bulletproof coffee recipe there's brain octane there's grass-fed butter and then there's mold-free coffee beans, which is something that I manufacture. And a lot of people start with that. Some people add, add uh, maca. Some people add shilajit. Some people add a variety of medicinal mushrooms like the way you're talking about. But one of the big things that matters is, uh, is the mold-free coffee beans because okay. if you have mold in coffee, which surprisingly is really common, and in the U.S., we don't have any laws about mold toxins in coffee. So when Japan or Europe rejects coffee, they send it to us and we drink it. It tastes good, but then about two to four hours later, you get like like anxiety or jitter or you need another cup of coffee because it makes you crash. So the caffeine brings you up and the mold toxins actually inhibit mitochondrial function, which brings you down. So you end up yo-yoing all day long, but you're not gonna associate that you felt, you got the 2 p.m. afternoon crash from the coffee you had at 10 a.m. And this happened to me so much, I gave up coffee for five years before we went in. We changed the coffee manufacturing process, and we do uh, lab testing for 27 different toxins that are documented to come in coffee uh, to validate that our infrastructure in Central and South America for processing coffee actually worked. So the, the super clean coffee has a different effect on your brain than the normal coffee that got rejected from Europe and sent to the U.S. Right. Yeah, obviously molds aren't good, but doesn't the, the, the hot water and the boiling water have a tendency to kill those molds or are they 
Well, it the molds are long dead. I mean, the coffee's been roasted. Okay. The problem is that the metabolites, a secondary okay. metabolite. Okay. All right. Mold. Perfect. Perfect. It's, it's kind of like penicillium. The mold makes penicillin, the drug. Right. Unfortunately, OTA, the primary coffee toxin, is called ochratoxin. It is heat stable, and there's I've got about 35 studies about like the presence in coffee and the heat stability. Even roasting of coffee doesn't break it down very much. Wow. Cool. And it's then, too bad. so, so like, if you're buying an organic coffee from Trader Joe's, which is where I usually get my coffee, you're basically getting coffee that's got mold in it, even if it's organic. I, I wouldn't want to call out Trader Joe's. I would just point. No, to the no, research. I'm just saying anything, yeah. right? I mean, I, yeah, I, it, between seventy and ninety percent of coffee you find in the U.S., I, I my, it's been my experience that it's likely to have this problem. It's be, it's for two reasons. One is even China has a limit on the amount of this mold in coffee, the mold toxin. Uh, so when it's illegal to sell coffee everywhere but the U.S., we're going to get the world's worst coffee. Right. It might taste good, but it's moldy because it had to go somewhere, and so we'll drink it. And then the the second thing there is just because it's organic, what, what they do is they take coffee, they pick it, they throw it in these big vats full of unfiltered water open to the environment. It sits there for 48 hours so the fruit can kind of spoil. And that's when all the bad toxins happen. We don't do that. We actually have like like real-time coffee, continuous flow processing. So there is no fermentation step. And then we lab test to verify that the coffee was treated properly after it was uh, after it was uh, depulped after they pull off the coffee cherry. So it's like the details of being a super coffee nerd, which I am. Oh, and it was yeah. just because I, I didn't want to crash when I drank my coffee, and and I felt bad when I stopped drinking it for five years, and I realized I felt different from different cups. And and people who smoke a lot of pot, they know like different strains do different things. Yeah. Well, it turns out different. You're not pointing of, fingers at me, are you, right now? I, I mean, I might have been. <laughs> I, it's like, what, what is that uh, cologne you're wearing? Is that sativa? No, yeah, it's, it's, indi- sky, no, it's indica. It's indica. <laughs> <laughs> I need the little more sedative effects of the indica, you know, to keep my anxiety down. So do you do you sell just the coffee beans, too? Yeah, we have uh, three different roasts. And I need, like, the darkest, gnarliest oh, friggin' espresso that, roast. That's called French kick. And French kick. I mean, so I'm a coffee like connoisseur. Oh, dude, I am too. And we work with Paul Sanger, who trains the judges for the Cup of Excellence. Like, this is one of the top coffee names in the world. All of our flavor profiles are dialed in. Uh, it's all single estate coffee. And I don't care for the super, super dark roasts, but we finally got one that everyone likes. Uh, that one's French Kick. And I'd be happy to send you a bag of it. But the other thing is, polyphenols, the, these black compounds in coffee, are terribly important for your health. And you get them from dark green and brightly colored vegetables. But the biggest source of polyphenols in your diet is coffee. And it's got about four times more than tea and way more than red wine. So so this is your, your true justification and rationale for eating coffee, tea, and chocolate. They're actually good from this antioxidant perspective. And that's why there are studies that show people who drink five cups of coffee a day live longer. I can't handle five cups of coffee. No, I can't either, dude. It's too much. Because I can't sleep then. So, But I do. I've never liked decaf in my life because people always take the worst, crappiest coffee and they decaffeinate it using chemicals. So I've got a decaf. I drink two or three cups of decaf every afternoon because it actually tastes like coffee because we take the high-end lab-tested beans – we decaffeinate them in Vancouver at the original Swiss water process place, and then we bring them right back to Portland and roast them. 
uh, and then send them out. So it's actually quality decaf. And I have actually developed a taste for it because it still tastes like coffee. And decaf is allowed to have twice as many mold toxins as normal coffee uh, with global standards. Since we have no standards in the US, like decaf coffee should make you feel crappy two hours after you drink it, and it often does. Right, right. So how did you ever get to the point where you are as being this, I mean, scientist, a true scientist, kind of almost a like a freaking health freaking geek? Is that, is that a good <laughs> way to call point. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, because you came from Silicon Valley. You used to be the computer dude, and now all of a sudden you've exploded. I mean, your business has exploded recently. I mean, I can't go anywhere without seeing your stuff in stores, which I'm really stoked for you because, I mean, I love your products, and I love what you're doing, uh, and I love your message. Uh, but how did that all start? You Didn't you you weighed like 300 pounds or something you said before? Yeah. Or you, you were out of shape and finally you just got sick of it? Or what, what, what was a turning switch for you? I was obese as a, as a teenager. I hit 300 pounds when I was in my early 20s. And I'd had three knee surgeries by the oh, time Jesus. I was 22 or 23. Probably none of which were necessary. But... I was chronically inflamed all the time, and I, I have these photos. My one of them was in Entrepreneur Magazine. It, it turns out I'm the first person to sell anything over the internet. Like the first e-commerce ever was a T-shirt that said "Caffeine, my drug of choice," and it was sold out of my dorm room before the web browser was invented. And so that's my my official fat picture is me wearing a double XL T-shirt, like inside this dorky business magazine, like all pimply and swollen and. Uh, <laughs> So what happened is is there was that, and and by the time I was 26, I made six million dollars in Silicon Valley at the company when Google had only one server. They brought their server to us, and we put it online. Like like in the very early creation of the internet, all the infrastructure that we're doing now, some of it was put in place by a company that I helped to start the, the consulting group of this company. So it had a meaningful impact on the evolution of technology. Made six million dollars and lost it two years later. Uh, which is really a crappy thing to have happen to you. How did you do and, that? Can you say? Yeah, the, the, the dot-com crash affected a lot of people. Oh, in yeah. my case, I had risen so high in the company that I knew insider information, so I was not allowed to sell my stock because I knew. So I just basically sat there and watched like my life's fortune evaporate because it would have been unethical for me to do anything about it. And that did teach me a lot because when I had $6 million, I told myself, I'll be happy when I have $10 million. Like, what kind of an idiot does that? I can tell you, like a normal idiot, like like me. And <laughs> uh, so I could have walked away and taken the money and said, I was like, well, there's more, there's more. And, and the deal is I wasn't happy when I had $6 million. I wouldn't have been happy when I had $10 million because money really doesn't buy happiness. And I can tell you because I had it and I lost it. But the amount of stress that I went through during that time combined with eating foods that weren't compatible with my biology. And it wasn't like I didn't know I was fat. I actually worked out an hour and a half a day, six days a week. I cut my calories to 1,800 calories a day. I did, was doing a low-fat diet. I could bench press all of my thin friends while they eat french fries, and I was eating salads. And just one day, I, I looked at myself, and I'm like, it's not because I'm not trying hard enough. Uh, it's not because I'm a failure because I'm weak. It's actually because this doesn't work. Right, like, right, like, right. That's the problem. And, and I felt really betrayed. Didn't you I, seek out medical help too? And they, oh, they yeah. told you to, what did you tell you? I something ridiculous. <laughs> okay. This is one of my favorite ones. So I, I, it turns out I'd moved into a new house that had asper or that had a uh, stachybotrys in the walls, this toxic black mold. I've since done a documentary on toxic mold because it really makes you fat and screws up your head. And I, uh, mold I, I was, makes you fat too. Oh, hell yeah. 
In fact, I have a quote from, from Daniel Amen in, in Moldy, the documentary. Uh, Damon Amen has a practice right down the street from me. He's, I, yeah, yeah, he's at Newport. He, he's, He's a good friend. Yeah. And he uh, he was like, look, you will get fat and stay fat no matter what you do uh, when you have uh, certain kinds of exposures to toxic mold. It breaks hormone pathways. And this is something that probably affected my obesity. But I went into the doctor in Palo Alto. I'm like, I feel like I've been poisoned. I'm tired all the time. I, I bought disability insurance. Like no one can find anything wrong with me. I'm allowed to buy disability insurance because I'm not disabled, but I'm so tired. And, and my brain doesn't work and I can't remember things the way I could. And I'm emotionally like I yell at people and, and like I, I don't like myself. And he basically and I said, but vitamin C helps me. And he looked at me and said, how much do you take? I said, I do three grams a day. And he said, you have to stop. It could kill you. Oh, and, you hadn't heard Linus Pauling telling you oh, to take 10 well, grams a day, right? That was my next line. I said, what about Linus Pauling? And he, he looked at me. And he goes, Linus who? And, <laughs> and I looked at him and, and I said, you know, the guy, two Nobel Prizes. I said, by the way, you're fired. Wasn't he in the Peanuts too or something? That was a different Linus, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Snoopy was yeah. in there with him. Uh, so uh, uh, I actually told the doctor, look, man, you're, you're fired. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. And I walked out of his office, and I never paid him. Uh, they sent him but, to But didn't he tell you to like some ridiculous thing to? Oh, like, he, 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 he said you- maybe maybe you should lose weight was was one thing. I'm like, really? How would you do that? <laughs> he goes, you should eat a healthy diet. And and what happens is doctors are trained to believe when someone like me comes in and says, I have ten symptoms. My joints hurt. I'm tired all the time. I have dark circles under my eyes. Uh, like I, I don't feel good ever. I'm cranky. Like this guy has ten symptoms. Therefore, hypochondriac. Right. Therefore, he's li- when he says he eats a healthy diet, he's lying to me. Right. Clearly, this guy like has like a stash of Snickers bars inside his coat, and he's just none of that was true. But that was his internal dialogue that he'd been trained to do. You go, you go see a chiropractor. That the what they do in medical school is a different type of, of programming than what you learn as a chiropractor. There's a different listening process that happens. Right. So I was actually seeing chiropractors at the same time because I had chronic joint pain. My back hurt all the time. And I got some relief there that I didn't get by going to the guy who would give me antibiotics that just made me worse. Right, right. right. So then you came out with the – I don't know where it came out as far as the whole uh, evolution of Bulletproof. But the, the Bulletproof – Diet book is an amazing book too. I mean, I Thank you. it's pretty much just a paleo diet. Uh, well, it, it it never it, it didn't evolve from paleo. It well, came explain from my, to it. Go ahead. My, my my very first book was called the Better Baby Book, and it was a book about epigenetics. It's co-authored by my I wife, don't have who's that a Karolinska trained physician. The Better Baby. Book? Uh, I'll send you a copy. All right. Yeah, widely published it. And this was what do you do if you want to have kids with bigger brains and less autism before you even get pregnant. And it was, now that epigenetics is real, how do we use it? My wife was infertile when I met her. And we had two children, one at 39, one at 42, without any IVF, without any drugs. We restored fertility using the program in that book. And she actually works with clients globally on fertility now um, over Skype. And what's really interesting is that the evolution of the Bulletproof diet was what's the diet that increases human fertility the most? Because it just so happens that animals that are high performing enough to be fertile are generally high performing. And if you are infertile, your performance is inhibited at a major way because we're here to reproduce. Like, right. Like if you and we're can't here, it's survival of the fittest too. You yeah. got to be the top friggin' dog out there in the, in the, in the race, baby. 
you called it. So, so the Bulletproof Diet came about from a careful study of anti-aging. I've run an anti-aging research and education group called Silicon Valley Health Institute for 15 years. I've interviewed hundreds of people. And honestly, I don't really care what our cavemen did. They didn't have mass spectrometers. They didn't have lasers. They didn't have epidemiology. Uh, they didn't understand biochemistry. So I'm, I'm going to do what works. I'm going to measure what works. I'm going to be my own guinea pig, but I'm going to use all the studies and what I ended up at, it was different than paleo, because when I started this, butter wasn't paleo. And things like xylitol, which have benefits, which is a sugar alcohol, they're just fine. And paleo doesn't pay nearly enough attention to cooking toxins. If you burn your meat and your fat, it's going to inhibit mitochondrial function. I can show you five studies about that. And you're not going to feel good when you do it. So why cause inflammation and cancer 20 years from now by charring your paleo steak? Well, right. like there's really important nuances. The algorithm in the Bulletproof Diet is like, look, eat these foods, the, the stuff that has the most nutrients and the most energy and the least toxins. So right. avoid the stuff that makes you weak before you do the stuff that makes you strong. That's a big differentiator. And in paleo, it's kind of like eat vegetables and meat. I support that, but there's more nuances to it than that. Right. And explain to our listeners why you feel like, because I've always learned that white rice was high glycemic and that would be something that would spike your blood sugar and create that whole insulin cascade. Why do you feel that white rice is cool? This is one of those classic cases of, of avoid the things that make you weak. Brown rice has 80 times more arsenic than white no, rice. I'm not into brown rice either, but yeah. I'm just yeah, no cool. Oh, why rice. Okay, cool. So, so a lot of people are saying eat brown rice instead of white rice. What I look at is uh, your body requires a certain amount of starch. And you can go for a while without starch. You can use collagen as a substrate for fermentation. And like the, the super keto people listening might get mad when I say that. But here's the deal. All of your cells in your body are surrounded by polysaccharides, those are sugars by the way, that are part of healthy immune function and your boogers are made out of sugar. So you gotta have some starch, uh, at least if you do, you'll probably do better over time. So where do you find starch that doesn't come with arsenic and, and things to inhibit animals from eating starch? Whole grains are designed to germinate, therefore they cover themselves in animal repellent toxins. Right, right, right. And you wanna get rid of the animal repellent toxins before you eat them because they make you weak. So I don't propose eating a lot of carbohydrate. And what I, I recommend people do is in the morning have zero insulin response. That's Bulletproof Coffee. Instamix, it took two years to make that product because we actually had to have a zero insulin effect substrate for spraying it. So we used a form of resistant starch that doesn't change insulin at all. And that was really hard to engineer, but it was worth it because no insulin. And then as you're looking at all of the, the different things that you wanna do throughout the day, if in the evening, you do actually raise your insulin with some white rice as part of a meal that contains fat, that contains other things like that, it's not going to harm you in the slightest. Right, 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 right. Uh, right. Uh, but if you're eating Rice Krispies all day long, it's going to jack you up. Right, and, right. And as uh, just it's an anecdotal N equals one guinea pig sort of comment, I just did a really exhaustive analysis um, of a whole bunch of aging parameters. Uh, with uh, uh, HLI, Human Longevity Inc., so full human genome sequencing and all that. And they said, Dave, we haven't really seen this before. On the insulin sensitivity scale, the test they use goes from 1 to 120. 120 is you have type 2 diabetes and you're, you're, you don't respond at all. 1 is you have the best insulin response on the planet. I was a 1. Okay. Wow. When, I was, when I was obese, I had uh, a fasting blood sugar of you know 117. Uh, I was what they would call pre-diabetic, and things didn't work very well. 
So they're like, okay, when someone is this insulin sensitive, you're probably not glucose tolerant. It means you can't handle any sugar, but you're also highly glucose tolerant. Like, like this is amazing because you shouldn't be able to have both of these highly desirable parameters at the same time. Like, well, it's because, yeah, I eat white rice. It's one of the, the main starches I eat. I, I eat sushi when I travel because it's right, convenient. Right, right. And when you cool white rice, it becomes resistant starch. So the, the thing is, I also have brain octane in every meal, every day, pretty much. Like, like I, I put it in my coffee. I pour it on every meal, just a couple teaspoons, because it keeps ketosis running all the time. So does that mean everyone's going to get those results? I have no idea. But the bottom line is that when you do eat some white rice, there's nothing that says it's going to mess up your insulin levels. And it doesn't in, in my case. And it doesn't for a lot of people. If you eat two pounds of white rice every day, you get what's coming to you. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's what happens with a lot of people. Now, you're doing a lot of other kind of cool things. You're doing the PRP. You're injecting that in various parts of your body, correct? Stem cells, yeah. Yeah, okay. Your brain, uh, your genitalia as well. Well, I injected my stem cells there, yeah, but okay. not. I've done PRP in the genitals as well, but I don't think you can do PRP in your brain. I've never, I, I don't, never tried that one. Yeah, where have you injected it? So I've had, uh, let's see, PRP. Uh, my friend Robin Benson in in Santa Fe, she did uh, PRP in like my face and hair, uh, and in uh, uh, all of the old injury sites I've had, like uh, I've had those knee surgeries, I had some shoulder injuries. Uh, I did that and got some some good results. And then I went and I did stem cells. Okay. And I had the stem cells extracted from my fat and from my uh, from my hip bone, the iliac crest, to get some bone marrow out. And they actually Facebook lived the procedure, which was kind of cool. So I'm, I'm actually answering questions on Facebook while they're like pulling fat out. It was it was pretty gruesome actually. <laughs> it was funny, and uh, uh, it doesn't hurt that much because there's a local anesthetic. But then. After we had these stem cells, like, all right, I want everything. It was kind of a pain to get them taken out. So, like, I do everything. So we did them intravenously. So they'll go to any site of inflammation in the body and start healing it. We did it in the knee, in the shoulder, all along my spine. And then I had them injected in my genitals, uh, which they what call was the, the, what's the I mean, what's the purpose there? I mean. Uh, I'm 44 and I'm planning to be 180 years old. Uh, okay. Like I, literally, that's my goal. So I would like to have like fully functioning equipment when I'm 180 years old. Preventative yeah. maintenance is pretty important. These things go into uh, old injuries. They basically make make things more youthful. My wife did the same treatments I did. Uh, the uh, like all of the same ones, the same time. And you know, it makes a huge difference. Like, like you you notice uh, more youthful things. And uh, uh, in the case of the genitals there are other things you can do in conjunction with it that actually affect things like size and all that. I, it seemed like a lot of work to me. I just wanted youthfulness. I was pretty happy with that. And th right. there is a noticeable difference. Let the, me go back. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, and, and then in the brain, I, I, I'm the second person ever to have my stem cells injected into my cerebral spinal fluid uh, prophylactically. That's and how you got just, it in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a spinal puncture. Okay. Yeah, you're doing a lot of trippy stuff. You're doing also <laughs> the parasite larvae. I am indeed. I take rat tapeworm larvae every couple of weeks. And why don't you explain to everybody why you do that? Just to it, normalize it, gut microbiome yeah, or what? What's I mean? It, we evolved to have parasites. I get it. And bugs and shit all over us, man. That's how right. we're supposed to live, right? And they, they cause you to regulate your immune system better. I have a history of autoimmunity. Uh, I've had autoimmune brain inflammation, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which I've cured. I don't have Hashimoto's anymore. I used to have all this joint pain. 
And so I manage my immune system pretty aggressively. And one of the things you can do is you can have parasites, but that seems like a lot of work. Uh, so what I do is I take rat tapeworm larvae, which can only live for a few weeks in the body and they can't reproduce or become tapeworms, but it causes the immune system to regulate itself. So you get less environmental allergies, less food allergies, and less autoimmune where your body attacks itself. So this is basically an expensive probiotic that's a little bit bigger than the average probiotic. They're only about six inches long and you just know they're, they're microscopic. It's like drinking salt water. So, Right, right. And then what about the urine gig that you were doing too? You, <laughs> you know all the good stuff. Yeah. I, well, uh, I was at your conference, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I listened, I, you know. I, I, I just found it all it, out. What's that? Yeah, I you did. I kind of laid it all out on stage. Well, you drank the larvae on stage. Remember? <laughs> I do indeed. Drink, I don't. I don't think you drank any urine on stage, though, did you? No, nah, drinking urine isn't <laughs> isn't something that I think is a is a great idea. Uh, urine is structured water or exclusion zone okay. water, all right. uh, but it tastes really bad. I I do have, as I imagine, almost all chiropractors do. I do have the the book on urine therapy from uh, ten plus years ago. I bought it, and I tried it for a week to see if it would fix my at the time pretty bad allergies. And I can tell you it didn't do anything except taste disgusting. And I was like, is this book like a mean joke on people? Right, um, right. But I do know a few really, really advanced people who say it works. But here's what I did with urine that, that actually does work. You eat something you're allergic to or expose yourself to something. And then about three and a half hours later, you gather your urine, which is going to be full of your own antibodies to that thing. Then you take the urine and you pass it through a, a 50, I forget the units, nanometer something, uh, whatever the super small micro filters are, and uh, you inject it into your muscle tissue. So this is a really cool hack. This is the way a computer hacker thinks, which is you know my background. If you introduce a protein into your muscle, your body will think it's an attacker and it'll make antibodies to it. So if you take right, your own right. inappropriate antibodies and you put them in the muscle, your body makes antibodies to your own antibodies and it cancels out its own crap. So you see a substantial reduction in allergies from that kind of a treatment, which is which is a pretty neat hack, to be perfectly honest. So right. I, I've done that. I, I made these like disgusting muffins that had like is probably like prison loaf. I'm like, just put everything in here that I'm allergic to and stir it up and bake it. And I'll just eat some of that and get like huge inflammation and pimples and just feel crappy for a while. And then, uh, and then inject myself. So. Wow. So back to the, when you were going through the, uh, the challenges with infertility, did you guys try chiropractic at all at that time? I was just, you know, because obviously no, we, if you we both did, uh, uh substantial amounts of chiropractic at the time. In fact, when my, my son was born, he came out a, a, just like a little bit crooked, like like his, for the first couple of days of his life, he was like his head was sideways and he would only sleep for 20 minutes and move his arms. I'm like, I think he's in pain. Uh, so we went and we saw Dr. Peter Fish. Right, right, right. Like one of the preeminent uh, uh, pre and perinatal kind of, uh, of He's like a, we can. I think we could call him the grandfather, of like pediatrics yeah. now, because he's been around for a, I'm, a long time. Yeah, and it's, and I studied with him like 20, 25 years ago. But, so and so you you know his background, right? He's a computer right, programmer right. from Silicon Valley. Like he like sold his his company to IBM years ago. He's a geek who became a chiropractor because there's a quantifiable 
tradition. Like you can measure what you're doing in chiropractic. You can do it right. with thermograms. Like there's all sorts of different ways of measuring. Just just grip strength is also a really powerful thing. So he got into this stuff, and I tell you, he he laid Alan there on the table when he's five days old, and he said, Dave, I'm gonna put as much pressure as a nickel resting on the table right here on his, on, on like right on the the back behind his his, his shoulder there. It just did it, and literally, you, you see this little baby just collapse into the table and, and sleep for eight hours straight for the first right, time in his right, life, right. thanks to chiropractic. So, that, right. like, the stuff works, and when people are like, there's no evidence it works, it's like, there's no evidence the sky is blue, dumbass. Like, of right, course it right. works. Right, right. And there's gravity, too. Now, yeah. with all, uh, one of the questions I have for you, like, all this stuff that you're doing, how do you know what's contributing and what's help? I mean, obviously, you got so many things that you're doing all the time, especially eating right. Uh, you're a very positive, forward-thinking person, and you're doing all these other agentive types of activities. How do you know what's working, what's not working? Was what I'm trying to figure out. Just coming. Kind of, this is how my science mind works. Sure. Well, there, there's this concept of something called the exposome, and are you familiar with it? An exposome? No, no. So we know our human genome, which is yeah. the set of genes we have, but we also know that because of epigenetics, the environment programs our genes. So the exposome is the entire set of environmental variables that you've been exposed to from before you were conceived all the way through your death. Those are all the variables that we're all controlling for all of the time. And it is an absolute scientific travesty to say, oh, look, we, we took out these three variables we were controlling for. But you didn't control for whether you were using this brand of fluorescent light or that brand of LED light that are right, shown right. in 52 studies to have biological effects on right, your study. Right, right, right. So bottom line is none of us is controlling for, for right. literally I've even – said that, I've said that for years, dude. <laughs> okay. I've said the same thing. It's like you can take these low back studies and how do I know that kid, guy's not going back and pounding like a 12-pack of Coke and this guy actually goes back and drinks maybe some clean structured water. Who knows what's going on in their lifestyle yeah. that's going to contribute to the results. Just how about even the studies they do, whether the doctor – what the doctor's intent was doing the work. I mean there's so much <laughs> stuff that we – you know what I'm saying? Because well, there's, there's so it, much yeah. to healing that you can't measure. I mean we can only perceive about – maybe 6% of our environment and our and the, what's going on in the quantum world, it's there's so much other things that are going on in healing and, and, and in health that we have no even conception or even possibility to measure. And it's just like, it's hard to be like 100% scientific all the time and measure all this stuff. Well, well there, there's also three really big variables in any one of these tests. And, and it really pisses me off that, that they don't, uh, they don't account for this, okay? There's the person uh, receiving a treatment, right? Okay, that's a big variable. We just talked that's about that one. What's huge. their lifestyle? What's their condition? So, but okay, in a What's good- What's going on in their stuff, head, placebo oh, yeah. effect, all that shit. Yeah, like who are they going to vote for? No, I'm kidding. Right, right. Uh, but <laughs> uh, whether they're angry or not. Uh, so if we put a, a well-controlled group of people, so they're all the same age, they're all born on the same day, they all eat the same diet, all that kind of stuff, which no study ever does. But let's just say we did that. Okay, next we have the technique that we're going to test, right? Exactly. Okay. So so now we're going to test like some, some chiropractic technique, right? right? Okay, so this is where Western medicine will be like, Okay, we're done. It's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. The third variable here is the healer. Different, right. Different people do different things, either slightly differently or maybe it's because they walked in with a smile on their face. We don't right. know. And right. it's hubris to say that you do know. Right. You, and they don't even control for the, the people doing the treatment on these studies. And no. that is, 
I, like at bedside manner, why did they teach doctors a hundred years ago how important bedside manners were? Well, I've seen some pretty poor bedside manner activity, and it affects patient outcomes, and it's shown in studies of to do that. Of course it does. It's just yeah. the energy a person has is going to. I mean, that's one of the things I nurture in our office. We have a really loving, a very high vibrational office. When people come in, they they feel that energy. Now, yeah. if I came in and I was a grouchy, pissed off, like my dentist that I used to go, to, he was grouchy. You're gonna, you're not going to get the same results. Oh, yeah. You're getting something that's positive. And like now, your staff. Right, like I, there's one amazing healer, an author of books uh, who lives on the island where I go. I won't go to his office anymore because his receptionist is one of the angriest people I've come across. And I'm like, I, I just don't want that. Like, it's not worth going in to get a treatment if if I if I'm you know it's a substantial drive away from anyway. But uh, you know, great guy, but he didn't control his his office staff to create an environment where they're going to be welcoming and friendly. Because if you feel welcomed when you go in to receive healing services, you're going to heal better. Like it's just right. the way it is. It's just common sense to most of us. Now, we kind of touched on this when I did the podcast with you was the whole thing with – how many kids do you have? I have two. Two kids. And I don't know where you're at with the whole vaccine thing because, I, I mean, have you studied and have you gone down that rabbit hole very deep? Um, I have looked – I mean, the Better Baby book, it, we looked a lot at vaccines there and – and the vaccine schedules that they have now, like in California, they're hyper aggressive. I believe that they're harmful. There are some cases where there might be a case for vaccines when they're made right. I'm, I'm not opposed to vaccines. I think that that vaccinating people for profit, like the HPV vaccine, which there's no justifiable reason ever to give that to a kid. There are things that I would consider criminal acts and like violations of of uh, international law that happen when you have compulsory vaccines. Not cool. And there's a really good argument that says, you know, if vaccines worked, then it would be okay if someone didn't get a vaccine. And so you, right, you have all these right. absurd, rational things. Well, it's, it comes to the yeah. science. Where's the science between all this herd immunity? Th- I mean, there's no science to the herd immunity it, theory. No. I mean, that's bullshit. And it's it, it's really sad because it's become so polarized that, right. like, look, there is a discussion that's worthy about are there some things we should vaccinate for, right? Like let's look at the evidence without the emotion. And there's on one side the the pro vaccine side. It's like anyone who doesn't do this is anti science. Like they're witch doctors and we should kill them all. Right. And then there's the anti vaxxer side, which is like if you ever bring a needle near anyone, you're you know you're Dr. Mendel uh, from you know Hitlerland, and, and like. I think there's a ground in the middle here, guys. And if we could like pull the emotion out of this and look at the data, we'd find that the vast majority of vaccines that there isn't data to support them, other than financial data. Right. Uh, but but that do we want to control our immunity? Yes. Are there better ways to control our immunity, like eating good food and taking vitamin D and exposing yourself to sunlight to the point you don't need a flu vaccine? And yeah. maybe moving a little bit, and maybe getting adjusted <laughs> from all the sedentary lifestyle. I mean, yeah. I totally. Mean, I, I really, I mean, I've done the re- – because I was always in that quandary. Well, what about polio? What about smallpox? Yeah. And, you know, then I read Suzanne Humphrey's book, who I'm a huge fan of, and that's why she's mm-hmm. speaking at CalJAM this year. And she just lays it out on the line that it really those vaccines didn't have anything to do with eradicating those diseases either. And then you look at things like measles. You look at mumps. You look at chickenpox. All these things. I went through all that stuff, and I feel that it's normal. Like, you you know, with, with the the parasite larva, your body needs to be exposed yeah. to different types of viruses and bugs to develop a normal, healthy immune system. And I don't think there's any way to really biohack an immune system by injecting 
I mean, if you were just putting the viruses in there and there wasn't all the other constituents, the adjuvants, the metals, uh, you know, all these toxic chemicals that create all the, the, the allergic reactions, obviously, I think a lot of childhood cancer and adult cancers from vaccines, uh, all the neurotoxins, that's why we have all these kids that are neurotoxic and having problems with ADHD and all the other issues that kids are having these days. And especially the autism epidemic. To me, it's not rocket science to figure out there's something causing the autism epidemic. And I really want to... I mean, have you seen the movie Vaxxed yet? I have, yeah. And what did you think about that? You know, it, it, I believe you're a, there's... A, you're a smart guy, dude. I mean, there, I mean, there's, a, there's a very likely association there. Look, uh, and by the way, I, I actually started at an autism... Uh, nonprofit. I mentioned my first book was how to not have autism. Asperger's runs in my family. I had all the symptoms of Asperger's till my mid twenties. Uh, I wouldn't make eye contact in anyone's name, uh, and it. I, I changed my nervous system really dramatically when I got rid of autoimmune neuroinflammation. That is what autism is, right? right? It, your your body's attacking your nervous system, and there's a bunch of other stuff going on. It is not a single cause. It, inflammation is not a single cause, and that's why it's been so hard for the Western doctors to say, well, this is the cause. Dude, it's inflammation is the cause, just like almost every other disease out right, there. Right, right, right. What's triggering it? Well, I hate to tell you, a whole bunch of vaccines are gonna trigger dramatic inflammation. And we've seen this in my family, too. My wife uh, volunteered for Doctors Without Borders when she was in med school. She got a whole bunch of vaccines, as is required by Doctors Without Borders, and it gave her uh, meningitis. She had to take a semester off of medical school because she couldn't remember anything. Like it inflamed her brain to the point that it, it it's still not quite the same as it was. Right. Uh, and so I, I look at all these kids, they're eating inappropriate diets, they're getting things that cause neuroinflammation like gluten and casein on a regular basis. And then you're sticking stuff in them uh, th that also triggers this. And whether uh, thimerosal in vaccines uh, is, is a cause, I can actually tell you in some kids it is. How do I know that? Because my wife and I started a company that looked at white blood cell proliferation in response to different environmental toxins. And when we did that, we found that some kids had autoimmune inflammation in response to thimerosal, but not methylmercury from seafood. So people say it doesn't matter. Well, here's the deal. The the load of that vac of that metal is 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 something that people will debate about. I think it's an inappropriate thing to inject in the body at all. But I can show you that there's evidence that some people really do get autoimmune inflammation as a result of that. So if it's an inflammation trigger, not a direct toxin trigger, who's talking about that? So it, bottom line is precautionary principle. What was the the benefit of having a chickenpox vaccine? There is no benefit. There chicken is pox, no benefit. Chickenpox, my kids have had chickenpox. I was happy they got it. And if you're really worried about it, let them have it for a little while to give them some BHT. It'll cost you three cents to cure chicken pox. And by the way, the same thing is, is true of shingles. Uh, BHT is an oil preservative that inhibits uh, these viruses from reproducing. So like, come on, it, it's not that hard to do this stuff. So you show me a disease that has a very high likelihood of mangling you, like permanent disability, like polio, uh, or something that is is very likely to kill you and those are the things we should be talking about vaccines for things that are inconvenient no whooping cough you get whooping cough as a baby it's probably going to kill you this is why well-trained medical professionals tell people don't expose your brand new baby to lots of people for the first six weeks like keep them at home where they belong but people don't listen and their kids get sick 
But when a five-year-old gets whooping cough, it means they have lifelong resistance to asthma. Right. That might be useful. Right. So right. I, I'm a fan of, of being very cautious before you stick a needle in someone. And when a politician tells me that I'm required to follow some schedule, even though I know I have autoimmune inflammation in my family, even though I know the struggles I've had with the symptoms of Asperger's and all this inflammation and my brain not working and constant muscle and joint pain, I, I'm sorry. Like they don't have the right to do that. Like it, it, is, it is unconstitutional. It's not okay. For them to offer it to people to buy it if they want to do it, I'm fine with that too. I I don't think it's wise, but we also have cigarettes and alcohol. So right, exactly, whatever. exactly. G- yeah. Give people a choice of what they want to do to their own bodies. Yeah. Now you cut. You had a couple in closing here. You hit a couple things. You've already talked about autonomic imbalance and just you know people stuck and sympathetic. You also mentioned the inflammatory reactions in the body and that's what causes most disease and there's just like that's one of the things i talked about this weekend there's a lot of studies that have come out that show that not only chiropractic improves brain function measurably but also that it lowers uh the inflammatory markers and at the same time it helps move people into more parasympathetic range and then there's also numerous studies that show that kyphosis forward head posture just from being on computers it not only causes uh, increased disability as people age, but in my opinion, just ca- it prematurely ages people. So I really, like I've stressed to you, and, and that's why I really was interested in your whole program, that's why you're going to your seminar, is that I think a biohack that people don't get yet, and I think your crowd is just right for it because they, they're doing everything they can to move in the direction of better health and, and better vibrancy. I, I just really think that chiropractic is one of those things that people don't get yet, and the science is there to support that it should be something that everybody should implement. I mean, not just when you're in pain, not just when you have a problem, but implement as a way to increase your just expression of life. And I, I'd be really excited to be able to get it to to some way to introduce that to your car, which we did with the last podcast that we did, which was amazing. But I just really you're congruent with everything that we you know that we pr- profess in chiropractic as far as trying to just maximize potential and I really appreciate you coming to the show this year and I know you're going to love it. I'm I'm really excited to be there. I've heard about CalJam from lots of people. I think uh, my friend JJ Virgin. Yes. Uh, said, she said it's so, it's a blast. You have to go. She's been telling me for a while and so I was really honored to get an invitation to speak. So thanks Billy. All right, man. Anything you want to say in closing? Uh, I would say if you haven't tried brain octane oil and the right coffee beans when you're making bulletproof coffee, okay, I want to try some. I'm going to get the French French kick. I'll send it to you. Yep. I like the friggin' hardcore because I put it in an espresso (laughs) machine. Okay. Nice. I I do a double shot of espresso, mix in. I use a little raw cream. What do you feel about that? There's a little bit more casein in the cream, and casein from milk sticks to the polyphenols in the coffee so you won't get all the benefits of the antioxidants that's why i recommend a cultured butter where the bacterial fermentation has removed almost all the casein all right because i do use the ghee as well yeah if you use ghee you're you're good or the insta mix won't stick to the polyphenols the the idea is let your body get the polyphenols don't waste them on the milk all right so just remind everyone share like comment the best comment is going to win uh some Instamix and some bulletproof bars out there. All, All right. right. Thanks Thank for your you. time. I'm going to go out and biohack in the ocean, get some grounding and get some respiratory, get some vitamin D out there. One last question. What, what, is your, what do you do for exercise? 
before we go? I have a human hacking laboratory literally underneath the studio where I'm sitting right now. So later today, I'm going to be sitting in something that looks like a jet fighter cockpit that changes my air pressure to Mount Everest and back down like this, which is kind of cool. That It's like whole body exercise. And I'm going to use a whole body vibration plate called the Bulletproof Vibe that I manufacture. I'll be doing some yoga poses on that. 30 times a second, my body vibrates. So I get the nervous system input from say doing a one-legged forward fold, but my body thinks I did 30 of them, so it adapts more rapidly. And once a week I lift really heavy stuff with a computer telling me how much to push, because I'm a geek. You are kind of geeky, you take it to the extreme. <laughs> and those, those five plates aren't that expensive from you either, are they? They're chiropractor grade. There are people who have them running eight hours a day straight in their practice. They're about 1,500 bucks. That's and they're hand, though. handmade in the US of steel. It's not a Chinese uh, outsourced product. And so it supports American jobs, and they're meant for chiropractic use. Like, like they're that heavy. You can buy a four hundred dollar one, but they always break. The those I've broken. No, but I mean, I was yeah. looking at ones that were like ten to fifteen grand when yeah. I was looking at them. So this but, is like sounds. I, when you said they were fifteen hundred bucks, I go, that's freaking dirt cheap. It, it it also fits in your waiting room. You don't you don't need like big arms and all this stuff. You just put it up by the walls. It's basically a, a two foot by two foot surface you stand on. So it, right. it it's designed to be flexible and portable. So. It's it's designed to be more functional and affordable at the same time. Yeah, exactly. No, no sense putting your chiropractor out of business to have a big flashy light machine in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Dave. I'll see you in Thanks, February. Billy. I'll talk you to then. you probably in the meantime before then. Good Touch deal. Basis. Okay. Thank you so Thanks. much. Over and out. $7 can get you a romance novel, a number one combo at In-N-Out Burger, a 12-pack of granola bars, a cup of green juice, or one month of access to the CalJam Network. At CalJam, we take pride in the array of topics our speakers have covered over the past eight years. With the CalJam Network membership, most of our speakers' talks can be accessed. In our network, you can also find numerous seminars from the Dead Chiropractic Society's monthly meeting with over 100 chiropractors and some of the best speakers in the profession. The CalJam network is your all-access pass to CalJam and DCS workshops, videos, and chiropractic content. From past CalJam speakers to recent DCS seminars, the network is a great resource for anybody passionate about chiropractic health or global sustainability. So don't miss out. We upload new and exciting content monthly, which can stream on any device, even your smartphone. Join the CalJam network today for only seven bucks a month at caljam.org forward slash network.
Can you say rock and roll? Rock and roll! Yeah!